This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. The N-OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve, too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast for the week of May 28th. I'm your host, William Liu, uh, and I'm joined on the program by Vivek Jacob. Um, anybody who is still listening to Raptors Podcast at this point, shout out to you. You guys are really diehard fans because uh, nobody wants to hear <laughs> nothing. No one wants to read anything. No one wants to think about the depressing-ass Toronto Raptors. Um, but Vivek, thank you for doing this. And um, I don't know, man. How have you enjoyed the NBA playoffs so far? Outside of the Yeah, I mean, I enjoy it. Like, LeBron, every every game you get to watch him play is a treat. Because I, I feel like during the regular season, you're sort of building up just because you know he's not, you know, going all out and he's saving himself, you know, for these big games. And now this is what you want to see, right? Like him at his very peak, doing everything he can. And now to be in eight, an eighth straight NBA Finals, um, yeah, to pull it out from 3-2 down, he's ridiculous. And then, you know, I got to give the Houston Rockets a ton of credit because I didn't think that they could be this effective against the Warriors. Their switching defense has been ridiculously effective at sort of goading them into going into ISO mode. And Shout out P.J. Tucker. Yeah, man, shout out P.J. Tucker doing his thing. Happy for him. Mm. Clearly it looks like he made the right choice. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, so obviously the whole CP injury sucks, but um, I, either way, like all, all six games, you know, I mean, I guess the last three games have been really great to watch, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, yo, the, the fact that there's intrigue in the playoffs, like the fact that we might get um, Cavs and Warriors, which people are complaining about, which I don't quite understand, like, I don't think it's not interesting. I think it's really interesting that a team, like, gets to play each other four years in a row. Like, this is like a documented legacy, right? Like, when people, yeah. like, when people think about, like, the NBA golden years, it's like MJ and it's like, okay, MJ played a whole bunch of different teams. But, like, um, before that, it was, like, bird magic. And, like, yo, this, how many times have we seen, like, uh, Sixers, Celtics or Celtics, uh, Lakers? You know what I mean? Like, this is, mm-hmm. this is the stuff that really, really sells. And the fact that, like, we're getting like this um uh circuitous route towards this like outcome that we pretty much could have predicted from like the beginning of the season and obviously the Warriors stuff to win the game and we'll see what happens in game 7 they've kind of struggled a little bit in Houston but um yeah i mean it's been it's been really fun to watch um the playoffs i, I think one thing that really stands out about the playoffs like just beyond like the X's and O's and stuff is like i mean we've sort of move towards this trend over the last couple of years, but like the teams that are most successful are the ones that have the most 
wings that can defend and maybe shoot a three. But it's not even like the three-point shot is not even that important anymore. It's just like if you can switch on defense, you can neutralize so much of what modern offense became to be, which is, you know, um, you know, a pick-and-roll basketball. Pick-and-roll basketball is designed to attack a mismatch. But if you can switch and deny that mismatch, then the pick-and-roll doesn't lead anywhere. Um, yeah. And so it's like really put a priority on, you know, can you switch with all these wings? And also, once you are switched as an offensive player, can you actually attack a switch? Um, mm-hmm. In a post or in isolation, and then like it's 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 kind of fun to see basketball moving this way, but also it's also kind of like like when I watch the Rockets, I never really find them to be like fun to watch, just because I don't know they just play such a simplistic game, but it kind of works. You know what I mean? I can't believe they're almost about to be the Warriors. That's that's crazy. Yeah, it's insane, and you know I think one of the fascinating things for me from that series has just been how exposed. You know, one-dimensional guys can be even if that one skill they have is you know pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at Emba Mute, like he can't get on the floor right now because as as well as he defends, like he's not making shots, he's not giving you anything offensively, so he kind of kills their spacing. Um, and then the other on the other side, you've got guys like you know Nick Young struggling to keep up. And, right. You know, so I, I find that part of it fascinating and and. I would, you know, I guess looking, comparing those guys, in some ways you could say the defense is still more valuable. Sure. Just because, just because of the offensive talent around them, right? Yeah. You can sort of get by. And I guess this sort of ties into the whole DeRozan conversation where, you know, when he's not giving you that much offensively, mm-hmm. he needs that defensive base where it's like, okay, at least he's giving you something on that end. Yeah. And, and I think that's the thing with the Raptors that, um, you know, it starts with DeRozan, really, but it kind of goes across the uh, across the board. It's just like yeah, the Raptors it down for sure. Yeah, the Raptors have just not had enough of these like two way guys, right? Like you look at the playoffs, mm-hmm. like how many centers are still playing in the like uh, an actual role in the final four, just the yep. final four teams, right? You got Baines, who is like a, a, a banger, but he can at least defend and he can rebound. Right. It's the same thing with Tristan Thompson. Those two are the only real centers left in the series, like. Um, and and how much would Baines play if 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 you know they'd won and gone on to face Houston or or uh, Golden State? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure how much, man. But the thing, at least yeah. with Baines, is that he can like um he can hang a little bit on switches. Like when you see Baines switch on to LeBron, and he's starting to hit the three. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I mean yeah, we'll, we'll see about that one. That's that's a JV three. But like um yeah, I mean like it's the same thing, right? It's like these guys they have to be able to defend first and foremost, right? And like you look on. The, the, so the Cavs are playing one center. They're kind of playing Larry Nance a little bit, but that's because the rotation is really short. And I guess Kevin Love is a center, but he can stretch the floor, so that's different. And he's really a power forward. Functionally, he's a power forward. Um, yeah. And then if you look on like the the West series, like there's no centers at all. Like this Capella doesn't even play much anymore. I thought Capella would be a big factor in the series if he could be effective, but they're way better with PJ Tucker as center. PJ mm-hmm. Tucker is like an inch taller than me. Like that's not that's not. That's not an NBA center, man. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, and then if you look at the Raptors, like, so much of the Raptors' success in the regular season was, like, playing through the center. It's like, Portal was great. JV was great. Surge was functional. Um, but then, you know, in the playoffs, like, a lot of those guys couldn't even play. And then you look at the Raptors in terms of how many wings they had. You know, they were all kind of like, OG was a two-way wing. But then you got like CJ Miles and DeRozan were purely offensive wings that gave it all back defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Raptors had a bunch of point guards. 
Like that's that's yeah. just not enough, right? And we see even, I mean, and, even point guards getting exposed. Look at Rozier and Ter- and uh, Steph Curry to a lesser extent. Yeah, and I mean that's part of why we all got so enamored with Norman Powell, right, and the potential that mm-hmm. he offered, and that's why Masai gave him the contract that he did. Yeah, and obviously we all hope that it's just you know a, a blip in the radar, and you know he'll get back to the guy he was in the last couple of years. Once um, he drops GoDaddy, we're good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, a, the Raptors just got to drop GoDaddy as a whole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, we got to go for another, you know, just go for Squarespace or something, man. Just something else, man. <laughs> I don't even know if they're the same one. I don't, even, I don't think they offer the same. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, keep going. Uh, yeah, so, uh, so that's the thing. Like, you, you started with the value of the two-way player now and, and, and the triple threat, right? Being able to pass, shoot, and, uh, dribble. Mm-hmm. So, um, those are things where, like, you you can't technically just be a guy that stands in the corner anymore. Yeah. Um Like, even, even Ariza's being challenged to put the ball on the floor, and he's had some drives where he's got to the bucket, right. you know. That's that's why you see how much the Warriors miss a guy like Iguodala. That's mm-hmm. why you see, um, you know, ooh, the Cavs, why they're being pushed to seven games is because LeBron has to do so much to just get shots, create shots for guys like J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver. And, mm-hmm. um, so that value and just having a guy that can dribble, create for others, it's this constant having to create for each other, right? Um, and the Cavs lack that big time. You're seeing um, the Rockets and the Warriors sort of force each other to go ISO because, yeah. you know, saying, hey, we can switch on to anyone. So, Mm. And that, that's the other cool part, you know. Initially, you know, you look at you look at a guy like Harden. They've been putting him on Clay a lot of the time, and initially you're thinking, oh, Harden can't chase him around screens. But guess what? He's switching off the first screen anyway. So exactly, yeah. It's, it's a pretty basic responsibility for him. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I mean, it's just kind of crazy to me, man. Like none of these centers really matter anymore. And I think that's you know like, when when I watch these games, like. I don't really feel as angry about it anymore because I'm a little bit um, over the fact that the Raptors lost. I mean, we could talk about it in a second, but um, yeah, it's just like I'm just looking to see like what you know um, the Raptors could take away from this and like sort of which directions the Raptors should pivot into. And when you think about it, the Raptors started a lot of games in the playoffs with JV and Ibaka, and you're just yeah, like that, there was no way that was going to go anywhere, man. Just look at the game. That it's being played today, it just doesn't work like that anymore. Like a guy like Marcus Morris, um, is like, I, he was probably he would have been like the second most valuable player in the Raptors series if if the Raptors had Marcus Morris against like the Cavaliers. And like Marcus Morris comes yeah, off the probably. bench for the Celtics, right? So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean it's 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 a uh, it's a little bit tough to watch from from that perspective. But I mean, you know, these are kind of the lessons you learn, and that's where it really does show the Raptors. Um, Lacking a couple of things in terms of the roster, but um, uh, yeah, that's so much of a matchup thing, right? Like, yeah, uh, we're, I don't, we're, I don't know if you saw bad matchups, man. We like we yeah. can maybe defend like if like the opponent does what they do on a nightly basis, but as soon as they decide to attack a mismatch, the Raptors have way too many points of weaknesses. Yeah, for sure. And like another thing I look to is I, I don't know if you saw um, the stats for Al Horford in the Celtics. Uh, the Celtics Cavs series. Please, please uh, on, slander. Uh, with Tristan Thompson. Okay. And so I, on court, uh, well, I, I'll start with the off court. So when Tristan Thompson was off the court, per 36, Horford was averaging 25 and 9. 
uh, assists as well. And then off uh, with Tristan on the court, his numbers dropped to like nine and eight mm. for thirty six. Mm. It was crazy. And that's the thing. It, it, it's such a matchup thing where okay, Tristan Thompson looks great defending Horford, but now you go into the next series and can you even play Tristan Thompson? Mm-hmm. Who's he going to guard? Uh, I think it depends. I think it's so much of it also comes down to I think the star players and whether or not they can dictate tempo. And like LeBron's right. so good at doing that that like um, he does that better than anyone. Exactly right. Like look at the Celtics game. Like he just like completely killed any tempo in that game. Like, I was watching it like on replay, um, but like, yeah, when I was watching a replay, I was like, oh wow, this is a slow tempo game. Like, you can like on league pass, it was like a fast forward 10 seconds function. Anytime the Cavs inbound the ball, I just click fast forward 10 seconds, and they're like barely in the front court. Um, because yeah, I mean, if you can control tempo and still get a good shot and then set your defense going the other way, then I feel like Tristan Thompson is more like playable, but, and it's tough, man. It's, you can really only succeed with Tristan because LeBron is there. <laughs> Yep. Right. Like you could succeed with anybody, really, with LeBron there. I'm sure if you put Serge Ibaka in the game, it would have been fine. But um, okay, so I so I found those numbers. I can give you the right numbers now. Oh yeah, please, um, please so Al, <laughs> Al Horford with Tristan Thompson off the court, mm. 76 minutes uh, per 36, 25.1 points, nine rebounds, 3.8 assists, 67% mm. shooting from the field, 44% from three. Celtics were plus 23.8 net rating. Wow. Tristan Thompson on the court, 173 minutes, 8.7 points per 36, <laughs> 7.1 rebounds, 3 assists, 33% from the field, 22% from 3. Uh, Celtics were minus 6. Man, it's honestly so inexplicable that Al Horford just continues to lose to Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson is good against like two teams in the NBA. And yep, it's, it's, it's whatever Al Horford's playing on, and then like, Kind of the Warriors, not really. Although he had a good series in 2016. Yeah, he was a big part of that. Um, but I mean, again, we tried to transfer that over to the Raptors and it's, do they need to look at the 82 games as a way to address their roster issues in a way that can be beneficial in the playoffs? Right. So that yeah, have to be, that, that, that has to be the directive. And I yeah. think it was the directive last year too. Yeah, no, I mean, that, for sure, that's part of why they changed playing style and everything, but, you know, how conducive to, like, elite success is a JV and a Baca front court, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think that's a serious question that they have to ask, among others, um, you know, because in reality, you you probably played the season with four centers, with JV, Ibaka, um, Pirtle, and Bebe, and then... You know, oh, you, I you, forgot you, maybe they played in that series. <laughs> oh man, those two minutes. <laughs> Yo, those <laughs> most, some of the most disastrous two minutes I've ever seen out of anybody, man. <laughs> oh man, that was bad. Um, so yeah, realistically, you, you really only have one true power forward on the roster in Pascal Siakam. Yeah. And that's a problem. So, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, okay. one person that could solve that problem is uh, the next head coach of the Raptors. I mean, I think that's... Uh, it, it, the, the coaching search, I mean, it just continues. I think more and more when you look at the series, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I've said enough about Dwayne Casey. I don't know that you want to say anything else about Dwayne. I mean, I called you, like, right after... Yeah, um, yeah we did the react. We already did that thing about Dwayne, so, like, let's let's leave Dwayne in the past. But um, yeah. 
the next guy. I mean, look, the internal candidates, there's uh, Nick, there's Rex, T-Rex Kalamian, uh, and Stack. And apparently out of the Raptors' internal candidates, the reports are uniform across the board that uh, Nurse is the favorite internally. Uh, but mm-hmm. then they also interviewed Bud. Bud went to uh, the Bucks after the Raptors didn't make a formal offer. Uh, and then the Raptors, uh, you know, this weekend interviewed, uh, or not this weekend, uh, on Thursday and Friday they interviewed uh, Yudoka and Messina from the San Antonio Spurs, um, yep. both seasoned um, coaches. Obviously Messina is, like, more seasoned than uh, Yudoka, but both of them have been with the Spurs program for a while now. Um mm-hmm. And you know they're you know top assistant type of guys. So, do you know much about these two? Uh, and you know between the two, do you have a preference or I don't know? Just generally, what do you think about these two guys? Um. So obviously, uh, I don't know much about Yudoka. I don't think there's been much information to take in. Oh, from I got I got a story. In general. So. Yo, yo, do you? All right, let's let's start with the story then. Okay, okay, all right, all right. Um. So this, like, I just like found it, like someone on uh, on Reddit and also Real GM because I've been trolling those places a little bit just to find trying to find content. Yeah. And um, yeah, someone linked this hoops hype blog post from 2007 from a guy named Gabe uh, Munu Ike. Like, I sorry, I, I butchered that name, but basically he's like he was on the Nigerian national team. Okay. All right, and so was uh, Ime Yudoka. Yudoka, I think he was born in the states, but he's Apparently very Nigerian. This art, this basically, so this gay person wrote a blog post about um, their time together at uh, <laughs> at uh, Afro Basket, which is like the okay. it's, yeah I mean, I, yeah it's the basketball tournament in Africa. Um, right. So yeah, I mean it, it's it's a very detailed thing. They're talking about how like oh they thought Ime was really American, but he showed up and he was eating the fufu, and then it was like oh yeah he's like you know he's a, he's a real Nigerian everything like that. But apparently there was a fight that broke out between um, the, the Nigerian team and the Algerian team, and I'm gonna quote some some segments from um, <laughs> from this. Okay, so uh, the next thing you know, there were three Algerian players on him. Everyone was engaged in combat to save me, if you can believe it. And lo and behold, Ime, he was ta- he was taking people out like in Mortal Kombat. Finish him, incredible. Um, oh my god. Yeah, so later in the post, he, he goes on to say, Ime caught the guy midair with a fist and calmly continued dispatching of oncoming people. He and other guys, yes, me too, were whooping so many people that the crowd started backing up, true to the letter, but Ime had the most notches by far. Um, and then he goes on to say that um, the Algerian fans were really racist to them <laughs> after the game. Oh, my God. Uh, which, you know, yeah, that's that's unfortunate, but I think not that un. Uh, uncommon in these places, but I mean, yeah, seriously. Apparently, Ime Doka is a total badass. Also, he's like, you know, so a very qualified get, coach and stuff. Can we just get Jerry Stackhouse and Ime Doka in a ring? Ooh, to like fight for the job. I like that. I, I like that. I would pay for that. You know what though? Let's get Ime, and then whoever loses has to be lead assistant, and then <laughs> you know that will fix the toughness problem of this team. Right? There's another <laughs> issue the Raptors. They have no toughness. All right, bam! You got Ime Yudoka and Jerry Stackhouse. All right, if you don't get back on defense, Ojibaka, you're getting your ass whooped. You're getting the Mortal Kombat <laughs> treatment from from Ime Yudoka. Oh my god! Yeah, so that's that what I know about Ime. Yeah. All right, I know one more thing about Ime Yudoka. 
Um, it's a big, it's a big factor. I'm not gonna lie, it's really swaying me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm reading up on his wiki page now. Mm. In November 2011, Udoka's girlfriend Neil Long gave birth to his first child, Kez Sunday Udoka. I didn't yeah. know Neil Long was his girl. Yo, that's Shout what I'm saying. Yo, he's a very, very attractive dude as well. We're gonna have the most best looking organization in the NBA for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Stackhouse got those sharp-ass suits, so... Yeah, exactly, there you go. Messina's no, like no, no more international clothiers, Casey, man. <laughs> Sorry, Case. Love you, Dad. Yeah, but you dress like a dad, though. <laughs> um, yeah, Messina, though, I mean, his resume is obviously mm-hmm. extremely impressive. Right. Uh, you know, he's won the EuroLeague four times. Uh, he's won, won a bunch of other trophies as well. And then you look at being with the Spurs organization the last four years, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, I, I was pretty impressed, uh, just listening to him after these Spurs Warriors games. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like he seems like a smart guy, thinks the game well, um, calm and, you know, he seems to have that presence about him that he's confident in himself. Right. And which is something important. I, I think I honestly feel like the Raptors just need this is a moment in which they just need some swagger. Definitely. More than, more than anything. Yeah. Um, and I, I definitely see that side of Messina. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of who has the most swag, uh, your story obviously puts Doka up there, but I, I don't know Come if on. anyone has more swag than Stackhouse. In the world, yeah. We're not just talking about coaching candidates for the Raptors. We're just talking about generally. Yeah. yeah. Like, that man... Yo, is... he, he beat up Kirk Snyder, and then the guy later came up to him and said, I needed that. Yeah. That's crazy. How could you beat someone up, and later they're like, you know what, thank you. I deserve to get my ass whooped. That's it. <laughs> oh, man. I, so, I, uh, so there was a G League game um, where Stackhouse... Uh, was meeting with a bunch of kids after, and he was having like a Q and A session with these school kids. Nice. And one of the kids uh, raises their hand and asks, "What position did you play in the NBA?" Mm. And straight away, like deadpan, just looks at the kid. Uh, My position was scoring machine. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Damn. And I'm just dying right there. <laughs> no, Stackhouse put up thirty, man. Yeah. 30 a game. It wasn't efficient. Jerry Stackhouse was not always efficient, but, uh, he could, that man could score though. He's gonna shoot those shots, unlike Patrick Pedersen. Oh man. Yeah, Jerry Stackhouse, dude. 80 games, 29.8 points per game. Led the NBA in points that season. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. it's it's hard to say who the Raptors will hire. Oh man, damn. That, that one season alone, Jerry Stackhouse had more points than Udoka had for his whole career. And you don't complain like seven years. <laughs> wow. Um, oh, yeah, man. I mean, I don't, obviously, I don't think that's the deciding factor there. That's, but, uh, no, definitely not. Um, yeah. But no, we're, we're just having fun here, man. It's, that's that's it's all we gotta have. So, yo, speaking of which, um, yeah. I think one thing, I was listening to the Talking Raptors podcast, which, by the way, you gotta listen to that thing. I mean, it's, it's, you never know when it's gonna come up, but when you see it in your podcatcher, like, that's gotta be the number one thing you listen to. Oh, for sure. Um, did you hear this last episode? No, I haven't listened to the last one yet. Okay. Um, yeah, so this last episode, 
uh, Nick and Barry returned to the podcast very forlorn. I don't think they had recorded a podcast since the playoffs. Um, and yeah, I had it downloaded. The title was like, <laughs> like it was almost like, does life even matter anymore? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, here's the thing: I could really like, I could vibe with that, right? Because like, I talked to them before the playoffs, and they were all getting on me. They were like, "Yo, come on, man! The Raptors are gonna take them." Oh, it's the, the episode's called Talking Raptors, Mr. Regular Season. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, DeMar DeRozan won second team All-NBA. I mean, all that really needs to be said is DeMar DeRozan is on Mr. Regular Season. Uh, yep. And, you know, he deserved that second team All-NBA. He really deserved third team. Um, he only got second because Steph got hurt, and he only beat Steph by, like, a vote. But it doesn't matter. Second team, that's all history remember. No one's going to remember years from now that DeRozan made it, like, one vote ahead of Steph. But, um, yeah, in the Talking Raptors podcast, uh, they were very – they were distraught. They were distraught, and they were angry. And, you know, I think it, they were saying how it's hard to watch basketball. You can't even wear Raptors gear. Like, they're, they're, tra- they're you know, comedians, so they go all over the place. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it usually – Usually, if Barry and Nick, like, are traveling, you know, they'll put on the Raptors hat, um, they'll represent, yep. you know, they're proud fans. But, like, right now, you gotta put on, like, a Jays cap, or, like, you know, maybe just no hat at all. I don't know like, if you could put on a Jays cap either. Yeah, I know. Jays, Jays is the, <laughs> yo, I'm not even watching it. I'm not, I can't, man, I can't. There's been a lot of L's this weekend. Liverpool took a massive L in the Champions League <laughs> final, dog. It, it hurts my heart. But, um, yeah, I mean, how do we, like, how, what do we do from here? Like, this is a piece I've been working on, and I've just been thinking about it. Like, but, like, how can Raptors fans and just move on and, like, come back to following basketball without being angry? How, like, what's the next step for people? Because, like, you know, we're going to come back eventually, right? But, like, yeah, how can we I be mean, okay with that? I think at some point we have to arrive at acceptance. Mm-hmm. And just acknowledge that the Raptors arguably blew it in the biggest window that they'll have. Like, this, just based on how the Pacers series went, the mm-hmm. Celtics series went, the way the Raptors performed during the regular season, the strides they made during the Washington series. Right. Um, for sure, they absolutely blew it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, I mean, I think this gives them an opportunity to really look in the mirror and say what needs to be fixed, you know? So right. they've started with the coach. Now they've, you know, I'm sure Masai is taking a deep look at DeRozan. Um, you have to look at the core, right? So Lowry, you have to. DeRozan, Ibaka, Valanchunas, um, and then go from there. So um, I think that's the positive, the fact that the Raptors have been sort of pushed into this corner where they have to look inward and they have to sort of take the hard, truths right um and i kind of wrote about this and it's like the time for all that regular season success you know the, no one cares the one the one seed has been done you've won the eastern conference yeah. all you know lowry and demar have made their all-star appearances uh they're all nba teams mm-hmm. uh all, all that is out of the way the only thing that matters now is playoff success right so they took they took a step in the in a positive direction with changing the offense and addressing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now this off season, it's about taking that next step and moving closer to that now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think the, the the tough thing though is like I think a lot of people are still a little bit hung up, right? 
And um, I don't want to play armchair psychologist. I think I, I don't have the education for that. But, you know, that uh, five stages of grief, I mean, I think the Raptors fans are feeling a lot of grief right now, a lot of embarrassment. Um, I think we're past the point of denial, the, the Sean Woodley phase of like, you know what, it's fine. It, it's yeah. <laughs> it's fine. If we had Terrence Ross, we would have won this series. Like we're past that point. I think we're like firmly stuck on anger right now. Um, mm-hmm. and I think soon we'll get to that point where bargaining is just like, well, it's not so bad. Like LeBron, like you know, uh, he's ended up winning the East anyway. But then like it's also hard to do that and have any sort of honesty about it because like, um, you know, right? Look, they the Celtics took them the, took three games off of them and put them on the brink. The Pacers put them on the brink. Um, That's the thing. Both both those teams took them to the final minutes of Game Seven. Exactly. You know I mean? yeah, the final, so. the very very final moments, and they forced LeBron to put in like an just a superhuman performance. And I don't mean superhuman yeah. like when LeBron is like just for fun taking these crazy fadeaways and making yeah. them. I mean like really put to the brink. Like yo, if LeBron doesn't make this basket, he might like lose before the finals. Which by yeah. the way has not happened. LeBron has been in the finals every single year of my life like um since I was in high school. Like I was in high school when LeBron didn't make the finals, right? And that's just just insane, bro. Like it's just ins- there's like a stat out there that like 74% of the NBA wasn't even 78. Yeah. 78% of NBA players weren't even in the league. When LeBron last, you know, failed to make the finals. That's, right. That's, you know, that, that's kind of insane. But, um, yeah, and you it can't even, like, really bargain about, like, where the Raptors can go, right? And so, cause, like, you just have to really take the loss on the chin and you have to be honest about it. And, you know, you have mm-hmm. to be, you have to get to the point where it doesn't necessarily hurt you anymore that, like, yeah. I'm going to be on Twitter.com and I'm going to read my NBA content and occasionally I'm going to catch random strays for no reason. Like no reason mm-hmm. someone's going to mention Kyle Lowry having four points. No, for no reason someone's going to mention DeMar DeRozan had his three worst plus minus games of the season in the, um, you know, in the, in the Cavs wow. series. Um, you just have to kind of take it on the chin and move on and just sort of internalize that and say, you know what, it's okay. Yeah. And I no longer sort of, um, am running away from this, and I, I don't know. I, I think that's pretty much where you have to go. But I think the tough part for the front office, though, and I guess for fans as well, I mean, for fans, the consequences are as high as the front office because you, you know, you can always be a fan. You don't lose that fandom, but you can lose your job as a front office guy. Um, the tough part is you can't just, like, throw away these pieces for nothing either. And I think no. as much as people want to rebuild – and, you know, talk about these crazy DeRozan trades of, like, Chandler Parsons and a number four pick or whatever. Like, you can't just throw these guys away for nothing um, because, like, there is still value, right? Your, your goal as a GM is not necessarily to, um, you know, take the biggest swings or this and that because I think that's the easiest way to get fired. I think the, right. your, your job as a GM is to maximize every scenario available to you. And I think in, even in these scenarios, like, Kyle Lowry still has value, right? And you have to figure out, is his value to us next season as a culture guy, as a leader of the team, as also just a good player, um, is that worth more than the return you'll get? Which, because you're not going to get much. And the same thing for Serge and DeRozan and JV and everyone else like that. Like, you just have to, you have to manage that still. And I, I don't know how you do that part, because that's the tough part. I don't think anyone in the Raptors trade right now can give them back more value necessarily. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. And, you know, one of the things I was thinking about, and I find it kind of funny, 
is if I asked you if DeMar has more trade value right now mm-hmm. where individually, you know, he's obviously playing as well as he's ever played. Sure. But but the flaws have been so exposed. Mm-hmm. Um and we're also in this different age of basketball in terms of how the game's played. Or was it say, you know, in the second or third year of his like four year forty million deal? Mm-hmm. You know, I I find it hard because at that point, you know, people are still looking at his upside. Right. Uh, it wasn't a complete shift in the league, so you know his his mid range game didn't look as bad. Um, so I, I honestly didn't have an answer for it. Uh, I I think there still should be a robust market for the Rosen. Right. No, I no, think no, we're I'm looking just asking, like which one is more valuable. Um, he will for sure have value to some teams there. There will obviously be that one head coach or multiple head coaches that'll say, you know, I will, I will be able to, you know, get DeMar to give more on the defensive end. He's got physical tools. He's got strength. There's sure. a way that we can, you know, scheme for him to be uh, more of a positive factor on that end. So mm-hmm. teams will be able to sell them off because, you know, the high end talent, um, that's hard to come by. So he is high end talent, man. This thing could, yeah. I think people are forgetting a little bit of. I think this is also the byproduct of the playoffs, like where you're saying, like, right? You know, you lose value by losing like this in the playoffs. You do. The same players, the same players, but the perception is completely different, mm-hmm. right? It's it's not it's not as much of a sell to be like, hey, we brought in Demar, and they're like, oh, Demar, the regular season guy, right? Because like right. the the thing is like it's the crazy thing is like you'll talk about this on the internet, like wherever you go, like you know, Reddit, Real GM, Twitter, wherever. Um, and like you'll get like Grizzlies fans or like Nuggets fans, like teams that are like you know not really doing much. And they'll be like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I want this is regular season. I'm like, all you do is regular season. You don't even make the playoffs. Like, what? <laughs> yo, what do you mean? <laughs> like, what you're talking about us? Really? You? Like, so? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Yeah. I think Demar. I don't think it's I don't think it affects too much in terms of his contract and the, the upside. I think people will still see upside in the in the up, in the sense of like this is an opportunity not taken, like with the defensive thing. And maybe if I put him in a, a team where there's better defense around him, then you mm-hmm. can sort of accentuate his skills. And I'm sure teams can talk themselves into that. Um, so I I, I I I don't know. I think the contract it's fine. I don't think most people mind that deal. He's also a no nonsense yeah. like superstar. Or not superstar, but all star. Um who won't get into trouble, is a really good guy, like great for your organization. Like you know, there's a lot of factors at play. No, there's a lot of value in that. That's and why then... don't just trade him for Chandler Parsons, man. What the hell? Also like yo, you can't just trade him to Memphis. The the guy you're like I am Toronto, this and this and this. And then you're like, yeah, you know what? Go to the Grizzlies. Like, word? Really? Like, maybe you could turn him to L.A. Like, maybe. It's what, yeah. like, you'd be like, hey, look, he's from there. His family's sick. Like, send yeah, him to L.A. Out. Like, you're doing him a solid. I'm sure DeMar wouldn't mind going to L.A., right? I'm sure he would like to stay right. here. But, but like, beyond that, I don't know. Yeah, no, I hear you. And, yeah, I mean, I said this before. You do that Chandler Parsons, a number four pick trade, like, you're trading for a pick that you're hoping is as good as DeRozan, or yeah. like also who you're you know getting I mean? with that pick. There's all sorts of centers in this draft. Yeah, everybody I, in this draft is a center except like except for Doncic and like 
some random point guards that are just like your annual like oh he's athletic but he can't shoot right yeah and yeah I mean and I try I, I've kind of been working on another piece of just like it's just like an anti tanking piece mm-hmm. and you know I, I think people just get caught up in this hope that you know you land a top five pick and now you've got something to build around but first of all you have to be so bad to get that top five pick and yeah. Once you get that pick, if you're bad for a few years, chances are they don't want to stay. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was just looking back since the draft lottery was introduced in 1990. Mm-hmm. There, so there have been, you know, 28 drafts. And so you take five picks out of each draft. You're looking at 140 top five picks, right? Mm-hmm. If I asked you, what would you say if I asked you to guess? How many out of the 140 have won a championship with the team they were drafted by? Okay, so this is since when? 1990. 1990? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Six. Six? Actually? Oh, okay. I was going to say, like, you can kind of think of them through, like Steph. Yeah. Um, LeBron. I mean, circuitously, but LeBron. Um, Tim Duncan. Right. And, um, um, no, no, sorry. Uh, so Steph, Steph's not on the list because he wasn't a top five pick. I'm, oh, that's I'm true. talking about top five. Right. Wow, only six. Yeah. So, so specifically guys who were drafted in the top five mm-hmm. from 1990. So that's 140 players. Only six have done it. And, and so I'll, the list is Tim Duncan. Right. Um, Dwayne Wade. Yep. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, Kyrie Irving. Okay. Yeah. Tristan Thompson, LeBron James. Yo, Tristan Thompson being on that list is so funny, man. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and Jason Kidd. Oh, and Jason Kidd. Okay. So and so realistically, mm-hmm. LeBron only went back to Cleveland because he's from Cleveland. Yeah, and Kyrie o- and Tristan Thompson only won that because of LeBron. Yeah. And then. Jason Kidd, like he was drafted by Dallas, so mm-hmm. he only won it in the tail end of his career when he yeah, went that, back. That barely, right? that barely counts. So realistically, Dwayne Wade and Tim Duncan are the only guys who have done it legit. Yeah, that's insane, that's what, man. That's what you're hoping for. Yeah. Look at OKC. After but, all that, they still have nothing. Yeah. So you literally have less than a one percent chance. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think uh, exactly, right? The more you like, want to reduce the thinking of, like, how you want a team built, the more you get away from sort of the reality of the situation, yeah. which is, like, the NBA is dictated by these star players dictating outcomes. I don't think anyone, like, disputes that, right? The game of basketball is such that there's, like, I don't know, 100 offensive possessions, 100 defensive possessions, and you can sort of one player can control a disproportionate amount of that. So even though it's a team sport, one player can control a lot. It's not like baseball where, you know, whoever, Josh Donaldson can only bat once every nine times, right? Like LeBron can literally take eight of those at-bats. So, like, it's really important to have one guy. And so, like, that's why the nature of basketball is always dominant like this. But, like, you know, you got to think about how you got those stars. But then, you know, yeah, you break down your organization – it doesn't. It doesn't really do much for you because, like, eventually LeBron will leave. Like, look at, look at the it's Cleveland. It's so the first hard time. to get back to the top, man. It's yeah. so hard. You just have to have like a perfect 
confluence of situations where you have the perfect head coach set up and the perfect front office set up um, and the perfect player to come in at the same time. And I think the, that's what you're illustrating with that thing. Like, um, Duncan, that's the situation that happened there. Dwayne Wade, that's the situation that ha- happened there. And the, and the Duncan situation also, we, we have to remember that part of that was David Robinson getting injured. Yeah, it was a, f- a complete fluke. I mean, also, you know, he got injured and then they held him out the whole year basically to tank. But Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that was a case where they already had one elite player. That's why championship or bust is kind of crazy. Like, yes, of course, the goal is to play for a championship. But, like, and, of course, it makes you sound tough and, like, above everyone else when you say you're championship or bust. But, like, realistically, what are you really doing? Most teams, you know, like, most teams don't get to – like, yo, there's not a very high chance the Sixers ever win the championship with this team that they tanked, like, 15 years for. Yeah, I mean, just because some of those years they tanked the whole year and they got Norman's Noel and um, what's his name, Jelly Okafor <laughs> and Michael Carter yeah. Williams. Like, so yeah, cool. You got Ben Simmons and Joe Embiid now. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if that goes anywhere. But like, you know, yeah, that, that, that's just kind of what it is. Anyway, uh, we're gonna take a quick break right here. I'm gonna come back and take you some Twitter questions. I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers. Is your insurance company forcing you to go back to work when your doctors say you can't? If this sounds familiar, look no further than my law firm. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Welcome back to the second half of the podcast. Here we back. Uh, we are taking your Twitter questions. So first one comes from at Coleman Coleman. It's easy to buy into the Raptors' 59 wins. Truth be told, the bench overachieved early, bailing out the starters more often than not. Good luck making a trade. Oh, man, come on. Show the Raptors give us something to hope for by playing this young talent more. Um, What do you think of the first one, first of all? Like, people trying to tear down the 59 wins thing. Um, Like, like it it doesn't mean anything? It's not just a meaning thing. It's just people are, like, trying to... Like downplay it because like yeah the Raptors you know were supernaturally good against shitty teams right um and they had pretty good health and I guess yeah. some players overperformed I don't know about that I don't know about overperformed or over, overachieved yeah but I mean so they finished thirty five and two against teams under five hundred mm-hmm. um but they also finished twenty four and twenty one against teams over 500, which I believe was the third or fourth best record in the league Yeah, against teams over 500. So, um, yeah, it turns out everyone beats shitty teams and everyone loses to good teams. Yeah. And so if you're 500 against good teams, that's already pretty good. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I think that's just – it is what it is. Like Golden State and Houston are the only ones that legit had, like, a winning percentage over 60 against plus 500 teams. So, True. Um, and so they beat I, Houston twice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, no, I, I don't take anything away from the 59 wins. You know, I, I've said this before. I treat I treat the regular season and the playoffs as a separate entities. Like, you know, yeah. in, in terms of evaluation, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 59 wins, winning the Eastern Conference after, you know, most projections had the Raptors falling. You know, behind Washington, behind Milwaukee, behind Boston. Um, you know. And obviously the Cavs. So they definitely exceeded the expectations from that standpoint. You look at uh, what the mindset would have been when the Raptors said that they were changing up their offense. Mm-hmm. I honestly expected a, a ton of growing pains 
Um, and it didn't really have any, man. Like, that, that's short of Kyle Lowry saying, like, well, I don't get the ball as much anymore, or, like, I don't run pick and roll the same. And it, it was, was literally even a thing. Like, it didn't even become, like, a story, really. It was just like, yeah, yeah that's true. He wasn't touching the ball as much early on, but, you know, he caught fire in the second half of the season, so. Yep. Yeah. Just in time to catch all those bonuses. Hey, get your money. Get your money. Yep. Um, yep. And then, that's you know, you look about. at the bench as well. You know, with the relative inexperience that they had, mm-hmm. I, I didn't expect them to play. I don't think anyone expected them to play as well as they did and become the bench mob. So, yeah, all those things matter. That's yeah. what you sort of operate off of to go into the off season and make plans and, you know, even into next season and how you go about your business. So, Yeah, that's why I don't really get downplaying. Like, you can just accept that some things were successful. Just because you ultimately failed in your end goal doesn't mean, like, your whole season was a failure. Like, every single part of it was bad. That's not yeah. true. Like, it's not true. Like, so, yeah, the, the bench did play really well and bail out the starters early in the season a lot. But, like, that speaks to the bench being really good. Like, why why does it have to be a negative? Yeah, that's like that's like working a job and then being disappointed with anything less than being CEO. Like, yeah, that's crazy, <laughs> man. Like it's seriously like it's crazy, and it's like it's not right to take that success away from the young guys, especially since this year they established themselves as like, hey, we are um and like a legit unit, and like we're coming up together, and it's great. Like, who doesn't love that? It's it's kind of weird to hate on that part. I mean, yeah, I think the Raptors could play the young talent more, and I think they will, but like, you know. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird. In the same question, he sort of talks about like um, the bench overachieving, and then later on saying he hopes to play the young talent more. So it's like, which one is it, man? Anyway, next one from Scott. Does the outcome of uh, Cavs Celtics make you feel better or worse about the Casey firing the Raptors in general? Uh, I, you would have to say better, right? I mean, yeah, because I mean, like, Cavs stayed how, hot. And, how like, bad did you feel about the Casey firing, though? Like. I, I honestly thought it was time. Yeah, you. It's I mean, time. Some people just move on. Like, like the Raptors. Yeah. Like everyone wants to move on from the Raptors, right? Like this thing. Like we don't want to do this again. So, like, I was kind of ready for it a, a season ago. Yeah. Well, how many years in a row was Casey in the hot seat, man? Like, <laughs> yo. So. so yeah. yeah, I mean, I wasn't. I didn't feel any particular way about it. Obviously, mm. extremely grateful for. Mm him being a part of that whole change in the Raptors organization and becoming a winning team and yeah. getting out of, you know, the, the seller of the NBA. Yeah. But bro, he said the Marta Rosen of coaches. That's all you got to say <laughs> about that. Yeah, There's so. good and bad that comes with it. Yeah. Uh, next one from Vladrick at space. Okay. Um, uh, with the lack of a pick in our salary constraints being what they are, do you see Masai trading into the draft? Um, and if so, who does he trade and what range of pick do you think uh, that player will get? Um, I don't know. Do you think they're going to trade into the draft? they got to really like a guy to trade into the draft. I mean, they got to get a coach before the draft first. Yeah. <laughs> and they are taking uh, the time with this coach. Yeah, so I'd be surprised if they made any moves before hiring a coach, mm-hmm. just because ideally you want there to be synergy in terms of who the coach wants, in terms of how the roster is constructed. So um, I don't know if how, how that timing will work in terms of getting a coach in and then uh, getting ready for the draft. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, I'd be surprised if they traded into the draft. Yeah, uh, me too. Yeah. I think they probably have a guy, like, I'm sure, you know, Dan Tolzman's been out there grinding. Uh, For sure. Trying to find the next Fred Van lead. I think that's probably the, the path they'll go. Also, yeah. like, we don't even know how many roster spots are going to be available in this year. Yep. Yeah. But uh, who knows? Who knows? All right, next one from Tank Nation Raptors. Uh, how much blame does Masai deserve? Um, he's still evaluating whether or not DeRozan's the first option on the title team. Okay, look, second half of the question. I think what he says is not necessarily what is there, right, especially for someone like DeRozan. Like, yeah, he talks about evaluating, but I think what he really means is just, like, you know, like, what's the optimum time? Like, it's like stock, right? Stock is going to move up and down. You want to, like, release the stock at the point where you can get the most, like, highest price for it, right? Mm -hmm. Also, while at the same time not holding on so long that it just becomes becomes nothing. So that's what Masai is doing. Like, when he says evaluating, he's just kind of like, yo, listen, if there's a good offer, this this guy's going. Like, of course. And I'm I'm sure Masai's not sitting there like, wow, man, why didn't DeRozan average 40 a game for us like LeBron's doing? Like, no, of course not, right? Like, I think he knows. Yeah. But in terms of how much blame he gets, I mean, have you been seeing this, like, weird little backlash to the Masai? Yeah, I have seen some of it, and it is puzzling. Like, I think... It's not like he shouldn't have any blame, because, like, Serge and Damari were not good... Right. And say, you know, that there are some things that you can look back on that look like mistakes now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also have to acknowledge all the good he's done um, ever since he's taken over from Brian Colangelo. So, and, you know, I think when you look at the whole resume of what he's accomplished in his time here, mm-hmm. the good far outweighs the bad. Yeah, exactly. Um, next one from Mark. Does any of this even matter? See, this is the stuff I'm talking about. Like, this is Raptors grief. Like, uh, does any of this stuff even matter? Is probably depression. Okay, so he's already he's almost there. Like, that's that's for the fourth step, you know. You uh, know what's more depressing? What having to watch a 20 win team in December and Jan and Feb yeah. in Canada. Yeah, and then your favorite bloggers get no money whatsoever. Period. You're already <laughs> stuck at home anyway. And yeah, now exactly. he's having to watch with this 20 win team. So. Um. Yeah. Oh, even more depressing now is that uh, even Woodley is tweeting negative things about the Raptors. It's uh, it's wild. <laughs> it's, it's a wild ride to see Sean Woodley's heel turn. It's not even a heel turn. It's just like he's like, I can't even pretend anymore. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Um. We all need a break, man. We're all getting breaks soon. Uh. Yep. You got a trip coming up. I've got mine. I'm sure Sean will have his. So. We'll, we'll, we'll all come back fresh, man, ready for another season. Jeez. Yo, he said if you drop Kyle or DeMar into the series, they'd be the seventh best player on the floor. The Raptors were <laughs> never winning shit. And then he says, and that was fu- and that's fine, but like. That's the Houston Golden State series, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I was like, man, if you said that about the Boston Cavs series. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, come on, man. Also, like, come on. Lowry would, Lowry would bake it into the top five for the, the, the Rocket side. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, like, what? Yeah. Really? Like... No, but he meant top seven in the series, right? Oh, like, oh, all seven. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, right. it's, it's tough. You got one team with seven... Like, it's like a matter of, would you play Kyle Lowry over P.J. Tucker? Right. And the answer is probably yes. Like, what do you mean? 
Yeah. Obviously, like they play different positions, they so gotta like factor that into play. But come on, man, come on. Unless he got funky, like Dan the type of guy, he probably start Chris Paul and Lowry in the backcourt and Harden at the three. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, he's, a, yeah, he's 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 really changed all of his philosophies as a, as a coach, and, that, and that's really cool. It takes a lot to grow in, in your in your fifties and sixties. It would be cool if Dwayne Casey sort of had that moment too, right? He did, and, he did, and but Trent. he just didn't have like the moment in the playoffs. He just did it in the regular season. That's why we right. feel so bad yeah. about firing him this year. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, man, what we got? This one from Retro Yeezy. Why is DeRozan a coward when he faces LeBron but throws basketballs at refs in the Drew League? That's just... Uh, mm, um, mm. That's not even a question. That's just a statement. Yeah. That's just like, yeah, you gotta just drop the mic or something, man. Like, that's... That's it. That's, 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 yeah, that's true. That is true. That's true. Move on. Where's that same energy? It's not there. Um... Man, okay, there's some DeRozan trade stuff. Something about DeRozan's defense. All right, you know what? Forget, forget. Let's just go with this last one. From uh, Hans Wolfstein, um, of the three teams, who are you rooting for? Of the three teams. Like, like, so I'm, I'm, like the Warriors, rooting Rockets. For, and... I'm rooting for a Cavs-Rockets final. Really? Uh, yeah. Why? Do you want to see Golden State in the finals? <laughs> I, I think it's a more competitive final. I actually okay, think fair enough. I actually think LeBron would have a shot. Yes, for sure. And I'm cheering for LeBron. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I'll, I'll be cheering for not. LeBron too. Like, so the one thing you know that maybe frustrated me a little bit watching last year's finals mm-hmm. was seeing LeBron like at full tilt, and yeah. it just not mattering. Like he was. <laughs> that he, was actually he, kind of funny, to be honest. Like he was doing everything he possibly could. Just to, like, avoid a sweep. Yeah. And they literally broke an NBA record by hitting 24 threes in the one game they won. Yeah. Dude, LeBron scored 41 on 19 of 30 shooting, had 13 rebounds and 8 assists in that elimination game, and and they still got eliminated. Yep. So... 41, 13, and 8, man. God. Yeah. And I mean... And like Especially good defense too. Well, like goodish. I mean, KD kind of cooked them a little bit, but yeah, it is what it is. So that's the thing. If if Houston wins and CP's out for a few games, mm. LeBron's got to be looking at that and saying, "I got a shot." Yep, I got more than a shot. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, I'm. I'll definitely be rooting for the Rockets to win Game Seven, and then yeah, bring it on. Yep. All right. Well, what about you? Uh I. You know what it is? I, f- I find myself um, always partial to institutions um, in the play- in, in in sports. So mm-hmm. like, I don't actually want to see a new challenger. I kind of want to see um, existing teams sort of get their just continue their legacies. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really root against the like the Yankees, um, or like I don't root against like you know in, in soccer. Like, I don't really root against United. Even I don't really yeah. you know. Um, yeah. And it's the same thing in, in basketball. Like I kind of want to see these teams kind of persist. So like, yeah, I, I want to see I want to see Warriors and I want to see Rockets. Or sorry, I want to see Warriors and I want to see Cavs. And I'm, I would be rooting for the Cavs. I just think that yeah. the Warriors would would beat the Cavs. Although it's a little bit closer than people would think, man. The Warriors are not the same. They're kind of no, weaker. No, but this Cavs team is bad, dog. Okay, yeah, that's like, true. If it that was the Cavs true. from last year, 
then yeah. I'd say sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but, what I man. If they had Kyrie. Oh, man. Mm. Mm. So. Damn. All right. Yeah. That's the podcast. Raptors fans, man. Find a way to feel better. That's it. Find a way to, like, we will get catharsis eventually, but you have to go through the five stages of grief. And wherever you are right now, you'll get through it, buddy. You'll get through it. You'll be back. You'll be back. And the people that are listening to this podcast right now, thank you so much for still supporting Raptors content because it is tough out here. It is tough out here. Thank you. Uh, yeah. All right. We'll we'll catch you next week. Thanks again to Vivek for coming on the show. Um, what do you want to plug? What, what you got going on? Uh, I'm gonna do a player review on Yakuperto. I'll be up on Raptors Republic on the 30th. I might do. Yo, I might, just leave out the playoff uh, portion, all right? So just talk yeah, about sure. how good Yakuperto was in the regular season. <laughs> yeah, it's all like I'm not even gonna like. I'm just gonna pretend it didn't happen. I mean, he basically didn't even play in the playoffs. And whatever he did, he was fouling like six times a game. <laughs> yeah, did not see that coming. He had a good moment in the Wizards series. <laughs> like, kind of. Like, he was generally pretty shitty in the Wizards series, but like... That was game... like the worst compliment ever. He, no, 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 he, yeah, no, he, he did, though. He had a nice moment. Yo, he like, kind... it wasn't even... <laughs> didn't, didn't have a, like, a good half, a good game. Like, a nice moment. Uh... I think he might oh, have blocked John Wall like once. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Who cares about John Wall? Um, yeah, we'll be back next week. Peace out. Thanks again, Vivek. Follow him on Twitter at uh, Vivek M. Jacob. Where are you yep. at right now? I know you got to 905 recently. 962. Get my man to 1000, please. Please. <laughs> He's not going to follow you back. It's okay. You don't need. To, you don't, he doesn't need to read your tweets, but you got to read his tweets, all right? Especially with tennis season coming up now, French Open season, World Cup, World Cup, I love World Cup stuff coming. Yeah, so. that's right. The most versatile man in the game. Yeah, especially if you love cricket. Especially if you love cricket. <laughs> especially if you love cricket. Lives up to all the stereotypes. <laughs> all right, man. Peace out, man. Later. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. Hi, Jan. I heard Toyota-thon is on. It sure is. Perfect. I'm getting a head start on my list for Santa. Well, we've got great year-end deals on Camry, Highlander, RAV4, and more. But what kind of toys do you have? It's actually Toyota-thon, not Toyota-thon. We have great deals on vehicles, not toys. I'm sorry, sweetie. Okay. What can I get for five bucks? Current offers end November 30th. Toyota-thon ends January 4th. Participating dealers only. Toyota. Let's go places.